I'm Luke Kennedy with the McCain Institute, and you're in the arena with leaders and citizens who are taking character-based action. Well, it's a real honor to be in the arena with Colonel Chris Carnes. He's the Director of Public Affairs and Communications for the United States uh, Africa Command. Uh, Chris, we we sure are thrilled to have you join us today. Well, it's an absolute honor to be here. Well, I want to, you know, learn a little bit more about you and then a, a little bit more about the outfit and the mission that you're associated with. But maybe the logical uh, start point is what, what brings you to Washington? Well, you know, what we're hoping to do is to help people better understand uh, the impact of what U.S. Africa Command brings uh, to the nation and some of our, our partners uh, on the African continent, as well as our inter- international partners. Well, hopefully you find an interest. I know as we're uh, recording this, it's a busy week in Washington. If you know every week is busy uh, in Washington, I, I hope uh, people are being receptive to that message. Yeah, I, I think they are. I, I think it's eye-opening for a lot of people to to realize everything that we're doing on the African continent to not only help make Africa safer, but America as well, and why it matters that we continue to engage there. Well, I want to pick up on how you're engaged in Africa, but let's take a step back and talk about you a minute. And I know you don't like to talk about yourself. That's kind of typical you know, military, I guess, in my experience. But if I have it right, you went to college in Hawaii. Do I have that right? That, that is correct. I went to the University of Hawaii at Manoa. Uh, my father uh, served in the Air Force. He was actually a lawyer in the Judge Advocate Corps, and he was assigned there. And I figured, why not uh, go to school where it's warm? And it's just the, the diversity that uh, Hawaii offers as well. It made for a wonderful educational experience. So you kind of got to my next question. So what inspired you to join the Air Force? It sounded like there was an affinity there from, from your father's uh, service. But I wouldn't think that's necessarily a given if you're in, sitting there in Hawaii looking at other options. Well, I think what you'll find is a lot of people who do have relatives who have served in in whatever branch of service almost have an inclination towards service um you know one of the reasons i decided to to serve in the air force and i thought it was going to be four years uh, but i really uh, came to love what it represented uh, the values and uh, you know what you know the air force and really the joint community as a whole is doing to, to make a difference in the world and you know serving in whatever branch of service uh, you have the option, opportunity to do just that. You've had an amazing career, far from finished. Uh, where did it start? What was your first job in the Air Force? So I've always been a public affairs officer. I was assigned at Offutt Air Force Base in Nebraska. And, you know, here I am almost a quarter century later, uh, continuing to serve. And uh, today, you know, being at U.S. Africa Command uh, has really been a highlight in, in terms of really helping people understand uh, what we're doing on the continent, and again, like I said earlier, why it matters, and how you know, with a, a very uh, small force of, of you know, fifty-two hundred people on the continent, uh, we're able to, to make a difference in, in the lives of um, many African partners. I, you know, I was an Army public affairs officer, but not till after I had finished uh, my company command and then been a captain and to an extent, you know, envious of, of, of colleagues in the Air Force because, you know, that's your chosen profession. You find yourself with a heck of a head start by the time you got the major. You had a hell of a lot more public affairs experience the, than I did. But I suppose there were, there's a, a converse aspect of that. You probably had to do things to kind of blue yourself, if that's the right term to use. I mean, clearly you had to go to ranges and do all the 
of the things that anybody in the Air Force had to do. But but uh, you found yourself in Air Combat Command at one point, right? Now, you weren't flying planes, but you had to be credible and operate. How, how did you tackle that? That strikes me as sort of a challenge. So, yeah, my, my time at Air Combat Command was uh, many moons ago. Uh, but, you know, what the Air Force does at, at large is it exposes people to many different experiences, many different missions. And whether you're at Air Combat Command, serving at the Pentagon, that ability to understand how they all come together for defense of our nation is critically important. And the opportunities that the Air Force affords uh, to you know younger folks, to older uh, people like myself, it's, it's incredible. Every two to three years, you get a, a, a snapshot of the world and how America is making a difference. So, and then we're going to get to Africa Command, but you spent time at U.S. Transportation Command. I don't think that's something many people know a whole lot about and how important a mission is, but, you know, what a big mission. You spent a lot of time, if I have it right, on the air staff helping people like the uh, chief of staff of the Air Force work through big problems and opportunities. And I don't think too many public affairs officers necessarily get that kind of opportunity. Um, you know, can you share some, some, some insights, either how those leaders approach things or how you help them? You know, what, whether it was at Air Mobility Command, which is a component of uh, U.S. Transportation Command, or in the Pentagon, what I've always been amazed by is how our leaders go about solving very complex problem sets. So that could be everything from making sure we have the right equipment uh, for our forces to ensure that they're able to tackle any challenge or, uh, you know, global issues uh, that are facing our nation. So whether it was at uh, Air Mobility Command or in the Pentagon, you see people continuing to work toward uh, solving, you know, challenges uh, for the good of our nation. Hey, you know, maybe throwing you a curveball here, but probably not. I think of Air Mobility Command, technology, right? Um, I imagine anywhere you've gone, and when I think of the Air Force, I think, gosh, probably cutting edge uh, technology. But, um, you know, how does it factor? Uh, does technology help you solve problems? I guess the answer to that is is yes, but how do you work your way through it? I bet you when you're at Mobility Command, you probably had legacy systems. You know, you're working with Africa now, uh, technology everywhere and nowhere, I suppose, depend. So, yeah, technology is critically important to help and solve some of the challenges, but there were uh, some uh, legacy platforms when you look at the tanker fleets. They're very much uh, vintage in terms of how old they are. And, you know, it, it really, you know, demonstrates the importance of making sure that we continue to modernize based on the threats of not only today, but tomorrow as well. Um, at Air Mobility Command, you know, when it, we looked at um, the, the importance of the tankers and the need to bring on new technology such as uh, the KC-46, uh, it's critically important and required really to, to get after uh, some of the threats of today and tomorrow. So you have real experience with Asia, pretty much around the world. And you seem like extraordinarily well-rounded, but how did you find yourself kind of directed or focused on uh, Africa? Well, I, the opportunity came about uh, in November of uh, 2018 uh, when I was selected for the assignment. And in many ways, uh, for a professional communicator, it it is um, a tremendous uh, opportunity because of really what's at stake on the African continent and the very real need to help people uh, better understand the impact that we're making and how it relates to not only uh, great power competition, but also 
uh, ensuring America remains safe by countering some of the violent extremist organizations, uh, the terrorists, the criminal organizations that very much have an intent, uh, but not the capability to attack uh, the U.S. homeland. So uh, 53 countries in Africa you have to look after, and I guess you're not just looking after just those countries. It's how, how things, uh, and maybe looked after is not the right way to put it, but that's you know part of your command. Um, I had the opportunity to visit uh, Africa Command early, early years, so I feel I'm pretty out of date. But what I recall is it's interesting that it's located in Stuttgart, and there's reasons uh, for that. I realized or recognized or was told that it was uh, unique in how it fused together diplomats and State Department entities and other entities as part of the command, which you don't see elsewhere. Um, I don't know, maybe pick up on that. Do I have that right? How do you how do you think of those 53 countries, and then how does the command kind of form, and how do you do all this out of Stuttgart, Germany? Well, you're absolutely right in terms of U.S. Africa Command. Our responsibility is for 53 countries. Uh, U.S. Central Command has responsibility for Egypt, but the bringing together and leveraging uh, the full array of capability that the U.S. government and our international partners bring to bear is what U.S. Africa Command is, is all about. You know, it's about defense, diplomacy, and development, and all three need to come together to solve some of the very complex challenges on the African continent to ensure that uh, not only are um, that area of responsibility is safe, but also when you look at some of the, the emerging threats, such as in West Africa and the, the spread of uh, some of the terrorist groups that has very direct implications for Europe, which can be linked and, and tied to the, the U.S. Um, one day as well. Is Africa more threat or more opportunity? Is it both? I mean, how do you... You know, we see opportunity. You know, of course, there, there are threats on the continent, but when you look at what it represents and, you know, from not only a business standpoint, uh, but also in terms of partnering for future challenges, um, Africa is, is very much uh, an area that the U.S. in terms of our investment there is bringing uh, tremendous uh, value back to America. Now, you know, at the same time, you know, when you look at the African continent, um, it is a place we refer to, uh, you know, China, Russia, more as global competitors looking to be great on the African continent. So when you look at China and their influence there, they are very much investing heavily on the continent. Uh, they, you know, essentially have a military installation that's miles away from ours um, at um, uh, Camp Lemonade in uh, Djibouti. Uh, but also they have 23 ports. It's like your vehicles cross each other when you're out driving around, you're gonna drive by Chinese military vehicles? There, there's a very distinct <laughs> possibility. There, there is uh, seeing one another on the roads in, in Djibouti. But you know, when you look at uh, what China is doing on the continent, uh, they very much want to be seen as a, a great power. Um, and whether it's you know the 23 ports, you know, when you look at the arms, uh, weapon sales, and you know, holistically, uh, there is you know anywhere from one million to one point five million Chinese citizens on the continent. They're heavily involved in communications. They're actually buying. Is that up. is that projects as well? I mean, are they there's projects? There's you know, everywhere you go, you see China's influence. So they are competing hard on the continent and looking to create the inroads. You know, because when you, and we spoke about the opportunity, 
the population on the continent by 2050 will represent a quarter of the world's population. And many of that, many of the people will be under the age of uh, 40. Wow. So when you look at the, the youth explosion in terms of population growth, uh, there is a very real need to ensure the appropriate development on the African continent, because if people don't have jobs, they don't have a future, that creates space for some of these violent extremist organizations to recruit uh, individuals to create chaos and harm on the continent. And we don't want you know, areas on the continent to become almost a, a petri dish for, uh, for terrorist recruitment. So you're talking a lot about um, presence and uh, engagement. I've heard uh, your boss, General Townsend, who you're in town with this week, and, and I know congressional testimony and other things, if, if I have it correct, I uh, believe I've heard him talk about the U.S. and this command being the partner of choice in uh, Africa. If you could tell us a little bit more about that and then tell us a little bit more about you know, the partners. I mean, I, I don't know what I think I should know about militaries in Africa. And I know it's not just about militaries, but, you know, maybe a few things that someone like me ought to know that doesn't know it. So you're absolutely right. You know, on the African continent, we're looking to be seen as preferred partners or the partner of choice uh, to, to many different African countries. And when you look at uh, the reason why this is important, you know, we, we don't know what is in store in, in terms of the future. You know, a lot of times we try to predict, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, uh, you know, the threats of today and tomorrow. And, you know, to be able to have firm partnerships on the African continent, that creates opportunity for economic partnership, uh, defense cooperation, and at the same time, critical access when we may require it in a, in a time of need. As I said, you know, China has already developed 23 ports. And when you look at how they're investing, they understand the strategic significance uh, of what partnership looks like. And we very much want to be able to compete uh, on the continent, but more importantly, to help our African partners become self-sufficient. And that's where we differ from China, from Russia. We're trying to build that self-sufficiency so one day our African partners can share in some of the responsibilities and burdens of security whether that's on the African continent or more broadly so to have that uh, action-oriented character-based value-centered uh, approach to defense development and diplomacy that is what US Africa command is all about as we partner uh, with the State Department USAID and bring our economy of force to the continent that is roughly uh, 5200 people for us africa command and as i mentioned to you earlier you know if you went to dorm bulls baseball game and you looked around <laughs> you that would basically be the capability and, and that is on the african continent but we optimize that capability to ensure that our african partners know that we're committed to them and at the same time we're invested in their future by bringing about self-sufficiency. And, and that's what we're all about. We want to you know, help them develop, grow in a responsible manner. And that's where we're different from China and Russia. It's that values-based approach to engagement. 
think you know important to point out that that distinction um you know big command big mission not tremendous uh uh boots uh on the ground and i guess like you know any other uh major command certainly central command has been in the news uh a lot lately i mean you have hot spots and particular things that you have to deal with and situations that uh that pop up i guess it's kind of how you balance that out with uh, with some of the things you're trying to have happen over the long haul um you know we'll necessarily zero in on them but i would imagine uh, libya or certain uh, parts of africa you have to pay attention to from a no joke uh you know what's happening right now what do we need to be doing right now perspective well absolutely so you you look at something a, a scenario uh in libya where it's very much a civil war you know what we have encouraged and we recognize that really it's a political solution that will bring about change. Uh, the violence that is occurring there is, you know, something that is not helping the situation. Uh, you have countries such as Russia who are interfering in the activities uh, of Libya, and that creates uh, very real concerns. And also at the same time, there's a, a great amount of work that was done to um, essentially. Um, minimize the capability of, of terrorist organizations, namely ISIS uh, in uh, Libya. And we're still monitoring that situation because terrorist groups thrive off of instability and chaos. And we don't want that threat to regenerate because when you look at some of the, the global brands of terrorism, ISIS, Al Qaeda, they all exist on the African continent. And what we're doing is helping to contain that threat to ensure the future of security for America, because you have groups like Al Qaeda um, that a lot of people don't realize Al Shabaab is aligned with Al Qaeda. And when you look from a kinetic standpoint at Al Qaeda on the African continent, Al Shabaab is the most kinetic in terms of the strikes that are occurring today. And they have demonstrated an intent via videos to strike uh, the, the U.S. homeland one day. They do not have uh, the, the current capability, but they have the will and the intent. And what we're doing there is ensuring that that is prevented and at the same time building the capability of the African partners to resolve some of these challenges and ultimately solve some of the, the, the problem sets that will inflict not only them, but potentially us, us one day. And that's why it's so critically important um, what we're doing and, and the pride we have in, in executing this mission in a very cost-effective uh, manner for America. So uh, bad actors you have to deal with. Just kind of one more on Africa Command, then we'll get to our, our, our standing uh, question we ask at the end. Um, you know, bad actors you have to deal with, but you know, I think probably Maybe too many people still think of Africa as, well, it's just a place where you have disasters or or famines and there hadn't been any economic uh, progress there or, boy, there just doesn't seem to be uh, potential there or, oh, oh, my gosh, at a minimum, it's a big public uh, health risk. Um, I, I guess to some extent, all that is true. You can't have disasters there. Public health can be an issue, but you're engaged on those fronts as well, right? We are. Um, so, you know, a lot of what we do especially when you look at some of our military exercises. And, you know, this year we'll have 15 on the African continent. And that impacts probably about 44 countries in Africa. So what we're trying to do is to help 
Africans uh, solve some of the challenges, you know, African solutions to African problems is what we say. Uh, but they require, you know, assistance and partnership. And really, what, what problem in the world doesn't require partnership and working together? You know, it's a, a vast global community that one uh, nation cannot solve some of the challenges that, you know, exist uh, across the globe alone. And in Africa, it's very much an international model of cooperation and support, uh, whether that's development in Somalia um, or, you know, elsewhere. You know, it, it truly relies on international partnership to help bring about the development the diplomacy, to extend the reach of government, to put in conditions for success that ultimately will benefit Africans as well as the U.S. as it brings together um, these partners for future potential opportunities. So now uh, give us your advice. You know, a listener out there that uh, would like to be in the arena and maybe much as you found yourself in the arena taking on these uh, challenges. I'll take one off the table. You know, I'm sure you would advise go to school in Hawaii, but but uh, I'll, I'll throw that one out there. What, what advice would you have for our listeners? You know, I, I think probably the best advice I I could give is and in, in what, you know, service in the Air Force or whatever branch of service is to, to look to, to give back, to make a difference, uh, to help, you know, others develop grow and have that lasting impression that will endure uh, for generations. That's what U.S. Africa Command brings. That's what, you know, uh, I found to be um, one of the best things about serving in the Air Force and in the military is you know that you're contributing to something bigger than yourself and you're trying to really build a better world. Colonel Chris Connors, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for being in the arena, and we hope you'll stay in touch. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. This podcast is produced by Patrick McCann and Justin Kessler. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell your friends, or leave a review.